Uh, no, I've never been to Supercuts. Are you above it, though? Do you, do you look down mm. on the Supercuts? No. Because I got Supercut. You look great. Yeah. It is a Supercut. I swear on the fucking Bible, this Iranian lady mm -hmm. cut my hair in five minutes. Hell yeah, dude. I swear to God. That's uh, Whenever I get my hair cut, I go into the place uh -huh. and I just go for a walk in so whoever just anybody cuts my hair mm -hmm. but I did like back in the day when I had a a, a specific person I would go to month yeah. after month after month and I'd be out of there in like yeah five ten minutes and I tell you what she wasn't even gonna talk to me hell yeah dude I talked to her and she told me all about her being from Iran and wanting to be like you know a hairstylist and like her family being like yeah women just don't do that and then she was like yeah and then I moved to America and like you just don't they don't care over here you know i think that might be the thing that prevents me the most from getting haircut yeah is having to talk to people because it's always oh did you catch the lions uh-huh no i didn't yeah i'm not a big sports guy oh well it was quite a game yeah i just put cut my hair just <laughs> <laughs> so for reference while i was driving i sent a text at 519 to alicia the place was like six seven minutes from there which means i probably got there Sometime between 5.25 and 5.30, right? At 5.40, I sent her a video of what my haircut was from the car. Like, I'd already been back in the car. Sounds very much so like you're setting up an alibi for something. <laughs> and then Alicia says at 5.42 p.m. on August 15th, uh, that was quick, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I was like, yeah, she chopped me quick. I said that at 8.42 as well. I'm telling you, it was cr it was actually super. <laughs> it was an actually it was actually a super cut. I, like I sat down and she was like, "What do you want?" And I was like, "Yeah, shorter, long on the top, short on the sides. It's what every guy gets. No yeah. guy asks for a different haircut, unless you're getting a mullet." I I very much so do need a haircut. I know yeah. I've been saying it for nine months, but I'm very serious about it now. Yeah. Uh, I do like the longer hair on me, and I'm uh -huh. gonna keep it. But that's my big problem right now is I don't know what to tell them. Yeah. Just like uh, shorter, but also yeah. I think about that all the time when I'm getting a when if I wanted to have like long hair, I think about like, well, you get also maintain it, right? Yeah. But fuck, I am so cheap that if I walked into a barber shop and paid twenty five dollars for my hair to be a quarter inch, half inch shorter, basically, yeah. I'd be like, what was the point? I think I want more than that cut off. Yeah. And I'll probably do what I always do when I get a haircut is I let it go to a point where I'm like, oh, I look disgusting. And then mm -hmm. I let it go another month. And then I go get a lot taken off. Yeah. But, you know, every time I used to get my haircut when it was shorter, I would just go on and go five on the back and the sides, inch off the top. And uh -huh. that was all I needed to do. But now I'm like, ah, up to here maybe, but also <laughs> here a little less. Yeah. What I, what I want to do and what I've done in the past is, like, document my hair when I like it. Yeah. And then that way, when the next time I go to the barber, I'm like, make it look like this again. I, in person, from personal experience, I've done that. Yeah. It does not work. Yeah, I know. Every haircut is just a little different. Yeah. And, even if it's done by the same person. And I hate it every time. Yeah. And then it grows out and it looks just a little different enough that mm -hmm. I'm like, I like this. Yeah. It's a new me, but it's also, it's just a small variation <laughs> on the same haircut. Yeah. But on a side note, I also do exactly the same thing with the fucking. I just let it go because, again, I'm so cheap. I'm like, I want to get my fucking – I'm going to go in there looking like an asshole. And I'll look like an asshole for three months to make sure I really look like an asshole before you cut my hair. Yeah. Because I want to get my money's worth. I'm making your work today. Yeah. <laughs> You'd see me in Dutch girl mode. I, was, I feel like I was in Dutch girl mode for like the last month or so. I don't like my hair today. All this hair talk's making me hair conscious. Yeah, me too.
Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Kremlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. So Chris, we watched a bunch of movies. Yes, but specifically we watched Magnolia. That's the film we'll be talking about today. We did. And, if you may remember... I think it might have made number five or six not that they were numbered in any order yeah on my top 100 movies of all time it's a very important movie to me and it also made number five on a list of the top 100 movies of the 1990s can't remember who put the list out might have been imdb who knows might have been you who knows it was also me but anyways it was coincidentally like 96 on mine yeah well because you uh was uh, you were working up to the wire i was i really yeah. was yeah yeah, two, so there were a couple that were getting a pass on the back end just because you'd seen them. Yeah, yeah, like a, <laughs> did I put the blues? Yeah, I put the I put the fucking Blues Brothers on my list. <laughs> oh, uh, but so how long have I been talking about this movie? As long as I've known you, Chris. Yeah, I very I, th- I very distinctly I knew the plot of Magnolia because I remember in our old house what like four years ago mm-hmm. you tell me about the Whiz Kid and John C. Mm-hmm. Riley and stuff like that and mm-hmm. I think I like walked in on you watching it. Um, but yeah, it's just that thing. Uh, it's goddamn three hours and ten minutes, so I'm like, ugh. Yeah. If this doesn't have an Iron Man and a Captain America punching <laughs> each other for three hours, I don't well, on a side note, you know my stance on the three-hour thing. You know my stance. But I tell you what, thing. Fargo, I feel like could have done for another 20 minutes. Yeah? Yeah. We'll talk about it when we talk about Fargo. But anyways, yeah. uh, Magnolia, another thing, just before we even get going, we're just getting a couple little things out of there. I've said it many times. You've heard me say this as well. I think it's got one of my favorite movie trailer. I think it's got my favorite movie trailer. Oh, the trailer's fantastic. It's so good. It's got that stuff just for the trailer where it's yeah. them talking straight to the camera. Yeah. I love that. I think we've talked about this before, too. Love a good movie trailer. Yeah. Oh. And I love the narrator coming in. And he's like, there is the story of the boy genius and the man in love and the dying father and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, and this will all make sense in the end. And then the music gets louder. And it just gets crazy for a little while. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so do you have any opening remarks, I guess? Like, uh, tell me a little bit about your experience. How'd you feel going into it? How long into it before you're like, oh, yeah. Um, those, those kinds of things. I have heard about Magnolia a lot from yeah. you and other people, and the general consensus I've gotten from it is like, oh, you have to, it's a plan. <laughs> you have to make a date to watch Magnolia. Yeah. And the other day, it was what, like 9.15 at night? And I was like, as a goof, kind of, just like, let's put Magnolia on. The same way I just said to you, why don't we watch The Godfather? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's currently basically 10 o'clock. Yeah, and I was like... Yeah, fuck it. Let's watch Magnolia. Mm-hmm. And we watched Magnolia because I was like, oh, I need movies for this fucking list. Yeah. But uh, I'm really glad I did. The movie starts with those, like, three... Is it three? Yeah, those three stories that have nothing to do with the movie. They're just stories about coincidences. Yeah. Um, I think, in a sense, it kind of reminds me of how The Conjuring starts with the yeah. small animal story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It primes you. It, it sets... what. I, actually, it's almost like the most blatant example I can think of of, like basically like establishing where your suspension of disbelief should be yeah that's a great point i it's yeah it's like that but also different the the conjuring reminds me of pixar movies okay uh pixar i think pixar does a lot is they show you your main character in their element and with the conjuring it's like yeah here they are busting a case yeah almost like a batman serial or something yeah yes in magnolia 
you don't see any of those people again. And how long does that be- those three beginning stories take? Like what? Like less than ten minutes? Yeah, probably five. I th- the first one they were talking about with Pat and Oswald getting impaled on the tree. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm fucking in. This <laughs> is so good. And I don't know if you saw me, but I was sitting. I, I mean, probably not for most of it because it's a three hour movie. I was kind of max and relaxing at some point. But I was like literally just sitting upright on the edge of the couch for a good <laughs> for a good portion of the movie. Yeah, um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, full, we're doing full spoilers in case you haven't seen Magnolia. Full spoilers. I wish we had like some kind of. Oh, you know what? What? Let's just use the default iPhone alarm sound, just like Avengers. They weren't above it. Neither are we. For what? Spoiler warnings. Oh, okay. We'll edit that sound. You wanted to do. You wanted at one point. You wanted to buy a soundboard. I have one downloaded you're you're on above my sounds. I now. have one downloaded on my phone, but I don't know how to cut, uh, hook that up to this. Anyways, full spoilers. Full spoilers. Eh, 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 eh. Uh, Tom Cruise dies at the end. Just kidding. He does. For a second, I was like, "Wait a second, But yeah, you're right. That I does not happen. Movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, like I don't even know where to start with this movie. I kind of do. I think. Okay, give it to me. One of the first things um, about it. Barring the Avengers, how many ensemble cast movies have you seen, like of this caliber, where there's like twelve characters, kind of like that? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I know. <sighs> Boogie Nights gets kind of close, but there's obviously like two main characters. Yeah. One of the first things about this movie that I, I feel like I want to mention is uh, that it's 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 a lot like a slice of life. But instead, you're kind of, like, given the whole pie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't really... Your movies are usually about someone's life. And this one just has this epic feeling of being about life for me. Yeah. I know that once you had finished, you said something to the effect of, like, that wasn't really a movie that makes me feel like, oh, I got a lust for life or anything like that. And I wouldn't say it makes me feel that way either, but it's similar to that feeling. Where, yeah. like, I, I walk away with this bittersweet feeling of, like, oh, yeah, um things aren't awesome everybody's got some shit we're kind of all in it together and then one day we probably kind of just die but you know we're in it together right now yeah you know yeah and you know i know exactly what you mean there are movies that you walk away from and you are so steeped in that movie while you're watching it it takes a while to shake off Mm -hmm. um but i think the big thing for me and uh, this isn't a negative yeah the frogs yeah Take, gotcha, yeah. They take that away from me oh, okay, almost okay. immediately. Mm-hmm. But it might be my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, you loved the frog part, yes. I don't know if you saw me. I had the biggest smile on my <laughs> fucking face. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, scene, yes. Yeah. I also like a little bit, even though it's a little corny, when, when, when Stanley Spectre or whatever is like, this is something that happens. These things happen. Like when yeah. you're sitting in the library. Yeah, cause, because for this whole three-hour movie, like I said, I'm so in. And I'm so invested in all these people's lives and everything that's going on. And they wait three hours and four minutes to just rain frogs from the sky to just and pull then basically this roll credits and just basically roll credits and it just uh it's so fucking good and I, yeah. I, I like there's nothing else in the movie that's like even a little bit like mystical or mm-hmm. like I mean the whole thing's biblical because it's just a, a loose retelling of um yeah Exodus eight two I believe mm-hmm. uh, which we also noticed eight two is all over this movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for when it, when it happens, just one or 
like I think two frogs fall on John C. Riley's car, mm. and I, I told you I was like, oh, for sure they're gonna cut back in time two minutes. There's gonna be someone on the roof doing something like robbing a, a pet store or something like that, and someone accidentally throws a, a thing off the roof and it hits his car, and it's like, oh, it's like Exodus. Mm. But no, then it just starts raining frogs <laughs> everywhere, and it's so fucking good. I yeah. love it so much. Um, big uh, my I, w- my biggest takeaway with this which is what I said to you when you were like, yeah, it makes me feel this way after watching mm. it. The way it makes me feel after watching it is, fuck, I love movies so yeah. much. Because that is such a, uh, like a, I can't think of another example, but they're just stuff that movies do where it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's a movie, okay, yeah. this, this shit just happens. Yeah, It's like we were talking about um, John C. Riley's character is always talking to himself in the car, and there's mm-hmm. no explanation for it. He's not like recording into something or like uh, doing a thing for his like online dating or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's just narrating to himself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no explanation to it. Mm-hmm. It's just a good way to get inside of his head, and we're off. Because mm-hmm. if it felt like an actual narration, it would feel a little off. Mm-hmm. But instead of him just talking in the car, it's like, okay, accept this. This is... Mm-hmm. Or um, the guy that was shooting at him that killed the guy at the beginning in the house. You never get an answer to that. You never get anything like that. It's just there. Again, it's another movie thing where it's like, no, we don't really need to tell you this. <laughs> we don't really need to go into this. Yeah. It's not really the point. And I love it. It also does that neat slice of life thing where, like, the whole movie is basically a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's and it keeps that tension because, like, it keeps switching be- between all, like, 12 of these stories or whatever. And it feels like... It genuinely feels like they're all happening at the same time. And one of the things that I give this movie the most credit for is no one story takes precedent over another. They all feel equal. Every yeah. time we go back to another character, I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. What happens next? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for we agreed kind of the, the whiz kid um, yeah, it's a little bit. Part, yeah. yeah, But, I mean, out of how many stories they're trying to tell, for one of them to be a little weak, it's neither here nor there in my mind. And it does feel a little sectioned for some of them. Yeah. Um, which I think is a good way to keep those, like, f- however many characters. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, oh, can't think of her name. The wife. I can't either, but she. I, I really like her character in this um, movie. Her, the husband, they all feel like one story. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is off by himself, but he ends up coming into that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the game show ho and the host and the whiz kid are their own story. Mm-hmm. And then John C. Riley and the daughter. Mm-hmm are their own story that she kind of intersects, not mm-hmm. kind of, she intersects into the game show host. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, like, mapping out how it's all connected, though. Like, Earl Partridge, the dying dad, Tom Cruise's dad, owns the production company that Jimmy Gator puts his show on, which connects both of the Wiz kids. Uh, but going back to, like, uh, the you know, Earl Partridge, you also have the wife connected, and then you have, uh, what's his name, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then uh, with the Jimmy Gator stuff, oh, yeah, it's his daughter that falls in love with John C. Riley. And then am I leaving anybody out? Or is that kind of everybody? I think that's pretty much everybody. Yeah. And, yeah, no, I like how this is. It's interesting. It's all connected like that, yeah. But so loosely even because really the the fact that Earl owns the production company is the only thing that really connects their story to everybody else. Everybody else is a little more connected, I suppose. And I definitely definitely thought it was going to end with like all of them in the same room and it's going to come to a head in some yeah. in some way. And well, I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, because that's another beautiful thing because it makes you think again about life, right? It makes you think about the things going on around you, right? Yeah. And like just the idea that like I'm John C. Riley to so many stories that branch like that, right? Yeah. I don't know 
what's going on with the girl I'm dating. I don't know what's going on with her dad. I don't know what's going on with the game show that he runs or his job yeah. or whatever and how that involves this guy and that guy and how this guy's in love with a, a bartender at this bar and, you know, uh, how the guy who owns the production company that my girlfriend's dad works for is dying and trying to reconnect with his son and, you know, all those kinds of weird things, right? Just that uh, the idea that all things are kind of connected. It's all, it becomes almost you know, like a, uh, a philosophy or like a religious thing yeah. again, right? It ties into that kind of... Who would you say your favorite uh, story beat is? Or, like, not story beat, favorite uh, favorite character, favorite section? Favorite characters... And you, yeah, you can break it up into, like, the things, like I was saying, like, yeah. these people are together and these people are together. Um, Gosh. Again, it, it, it just becomes so hard because I like this is a like a big picture movie to me right like everything yeah. like everything oh, yeah, no, like exactly. a small bit that works into it but i guess for me at the very end of the day oh, god who who is your I, who's your favorite and why is it john c riley well that's what i was going to say is i feel like it, in my head john c riley still comes out as probably the closest thing we have to like the protagonist and that's probably cuz he narrates and it's probably cuz he sums the movie up at the end with his little with his little you know yeah with the exception of him and the maybe philip seymour hoffman he's the only one that doesn't come off like a little bit of a piece of shit yeah well that's another neat thing the movie does is like it makes you empathize with people who have done awful things and yeah. again it's more of a grander statement about life right is that like we all do these awful things right nobody in that movie besides i guess john c Riley and maybe like the girl who was molested by her father and the whiz okay never mind but the- anyways <laughs> there are probably a lot of people who haven't done a horribly fucked stuff but I think still the message ends up being that most people have done some pretty terrible stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's Let's switch gears a little bit and talk a bit about um, maybe more specifically like... Well, first you can answer. Is it John C. Riley? Is that why you made that rib? Yeah, probably. But what I was trying to uh, bridge over to is like, what are some of like the, the kind of standout emotional beats? You mentioned like... I know you misspoke, but I am actually kind of interested. I, like, I'll give you an example. I love when Jim loses his gun. He's just talking out loud. He's like, yeah. where's the gun, Jim? Find the gun. Like, yeah. I don't know. Everything about that works. John C. Riley and how like actually panicked he sounds and the fact that it's raining and the fact that he was just shot at and the fact that it's already established that he's a fuck-up at his job and that he's going to be the laughingstock. It's almost like um, the beginning of There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Because... Um, uh, television show that i will not name because the creator and star got 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 um there's an entire episode of that show that is just that of a cop losing his gun yeah and just the whole episode is trying to find the gun and yeah that's just something that happens and you're like oh fuck and they kind of just move on from it um I except at dinner he, he yeah that emotional he scene up, where yeah. he's like today i lost my gun and i'm the laughing stock you know there's a lot of zooms in this also on a side note yeah i was immediately thinking a lot of, of wet pants yeah, where they kiss yeah. and it comes in real tight. Um, I think the biggest standout emotional moment for me yeah. is when Tom Cruise's dad is talking to Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. and just confessing his regrets to him. Mm-hmm. And it's such an easy emotional thing, like just a dying man telling his hospice nurse like mm-hmm. all of his life regrets, but it works so well. Yeah. Like, especially when it cuts away from him back to other people and other things that are going on, and he's talking over it. 
just being like, they say life is short. It's not. It is a long. And it's like, oh, fuck it. And he's like, I'm so full of regret. Yeah. And I, the love of my life, I cheated on her for 23 years. And then mm-hmm. she died. And I made my son take care of her. And it's like, oh, buddy, you're getting me. Um, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman having to kill him is sad. Not kill him, but drop those that shit in his mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, him with the gun works. Um, didn't... I'd say the weakest one for me would probably be the whiz kid, the new whiz kid standing up to the host for himself. Yeah, the piss the pants thing. Because I know he's supposed to be very smart and well-read, yeah. but when he's just going off and he's talking, I'm like, no kid talks this way. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's got to be that. It's got to yeah. be the, the dying man. I'll well, also give shouts out to... It's, uh, it's a tie between the dying man or his wife at the pharmacy. I was going to say pharmacy. Yeah. That gets a shout out. Um, also, the daughter breaking down at the date. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, where she's talking about like the things you don't know about me, and you're gonna find them out. And like I do these awful, awful things, and we should really just walk away right here while I'm basically still like a good person in your mind. And like let's just forget it. This was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I'd say. Sorry to interrupt you, but going back to what we were saying about everyone being a little bit shitty i'd say that's probably the shittiest thing about john c Riley is how obsessed he is not obsessed but like how he can't see the forest for the trees mm-hmm. with her specifically mm-hmm. um and just how high she is 24 7 mm-hmm. he's so just i guess taken away by how beautiful she but is also a dummy right it's he's been established as a big dummy yeah and how he just wants to be in love so bad that he can't tell. Also, funny scene in the movie where she's making him coffee and stuff, and she's just so high, and he <laughs> just keeps talking. Yeah, the idea of putting yourself in those shoes of just being high as shit on cocaine, you're barely getting away with it, like, by the skin of your teeth, and he just won't stop fucking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it also works because it's one of those things where, like, so much of this movie is, like, you know, kind of gray or more complicated than it seems, and it's just so interesting, right? Because, like... The reason why John C. Riley is hanging out is because he doesn't necessarily believe her. He thinks it really was a domestic violence thing, and he's hanging out to make sure that the guy doesn't come back, right? So he doesn't have to answer the 187. Yeah. But also, it's 100% because he's head over heels with this girl and wants to ask her out, right? So it's both things at once, you know? Or just, for example, like you were talking about the the old man talking about his regret and whatnot. And, it, and again, it like pulls on your heartstrings, and you're like, wow, look at this guy who's just been torturing himself. He's made his own personal hell about his mistakes. But also... Fuck this dude. You really did fuck Tom Cruise over so bad, you know? Yeah. And then, I don't know, it's just interesting, like, you know, there are so many, like, little hints of, like, God, just so many different things. I, I guess it's not even a little hint. I, I guess there are so many different ways that the idea that, like, the past isn't, you know, done with you kind of plays out. Like, for example, you know, Tom Cruise kind of becomes, like, a super villain version of his super villain in his life right he becomes almost the way that he interprets his dad yeah you know this hyper masculine no respect for women women are only good for fucking right and it's so odd right because he hates his dad so much yeah he doesn't want to be anything like that and yet he ends up being just like that right i mean not even just like that he's him he's just the worst parts of him amplified times a fuck a million yeah just so just so repulsive just yeah. I, oh I, I like so it's good for some dark humor though yeah yeah it gets me but also at the same time i'm like oh boy like i know that's the point yeah. and it's supposed to be over the top but yeah. at the same time i'm like oh dudes i i there are for sure dudes today in 2021 <laughs> yeah. who think like this yeah and, oh i hate it. also that guy's in gus protocol it's crazy that <laughs> i can <laughs> see a movie where uh, tom cruise goes respect 
the cock. He, yeah, I, he's one of those, Tom Cruise is one of those movie stars that I feel a little bad for. Because he's a really, really, really good actor. Sometimes. Sometimes. And I feel like he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Yeah. Sometimes. But also sometimes, definitely photo edited. Yeah, like something that always hits me really hard, except for this last time it didn't as much, but uh, when he's finally getting a chance to just be like, fuck you, to his dad. Yeah. And he's just crying, and he's shaking, he's on the edge of his seat, and he's, like, grinding his hands together, and, like, you can hear the chair just keeps squeaking. Mm-hmm. He's like, I hope it hurts. I hope it fucking hurts, you know? Yeah, and I I don't know if I like or dislike his dad already being gone at that point. Yeah. Yeah, part of me, wanted, the entire time, was like, oh, bro, just wake up for a second. Just wake up for a second and talk to him. And he doesn't, and, yeah, yeah now that I said it out loud, yeah, I think I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So... Real quick, perhaps uh, now would be a good time for me to mention a couple of things that really stood out to me this time that maybe maybe I didn't notice other times or maybe i just forgotten between viewings. I've seen this movie a lot. Uh, but going back to the wife in the pharmacy, um, I caught this time, or at least it really stood out to me that time when she specifically says to the pharmacist who seems hell-bent on the idea that she's, you know, just a, you know, Hollywood, you know, L.A. County, like woman who's getting a bunch of drugs so she can stay high all the time which she is yes yes but it's more complicated than that right yeah, like he's exactly. not seeing the bigger picture right he thinks she's just gonna go off and party and whatever and he's like she's just like fuck you who do you think you are who do you think i am calling me a lady or whatever and then she says that thing where she goes she's like have you ever seen death in your house have you ever seen death in your bed you know and she's like out of breath and stuff like the way that she's out of breath and she keeps like taking those sharp inhales you know it's so like true to like when you like really blow up on somebody but you're not used to it like you're so nervous that you're like yeah yeah you know yeah and she's like shaking and stuff there's in her voice even like just her voice alone so disrespectful i'm looking up this lady's name because i love her i love her and everything i've seen her in but cannot for the life of me remember her goddamn name julianne moore yes julianne moore kills the movie uh another thing that stood out to me a bit is for all the tough talk that tom cruise and his buddies do there are multiple scenes where they're very subordinate to women oh yeah yeah, women which are just... is great and it's very much so one of those things where like i'm like yes exactly uh for example the interviewer you know she yeah. settle down calm down you missed a button that kind of stuff but then there's also the scene where i think her name is janet the woman on the phone yes and uh like tom cruise is like a right hand man or whatever she's like go get him now go get him now and he like comes to the top of the elevator he's like okay i'm on the floor now she's like good boy and like just talking to him like that and yeah. stuff you know or even when tom cruise is on the phone with her and he's mm-hmm. uh, and she's like i am doing my fucking yeah job. he's like i need yeah. you to do your fucking job and she's like i'm doing my job i need you to answer me it's like, yeah oh, so good and i love uh i brought it up to you but uh shot wise in this movie i like when he's talking to the interviewer and she like finally gets him and he like kind of rages out and he gives up to leave and it's the shot of the two of them sitting down and he stands up mm-hmm. and the camera doesn't move and so you see her and she's like eye to dick level with him Mm -hmm. and it's such a like a that's that's just his personality and he doesn't know how to overcome this Mm -hmm. so he's just it's just like a a a big masculine show of like i am man i'm angry i'm leaving but uh, illustrated and you know dick's eye level yeah and it's also a nice like um as i was saying body language tell yeah when people feel like they're losing argument first thing they'll try to do is shout over them not let the other person get a word in edgewise and then also standing up and like you know asserts dominance and whatnot um and then he does that fucking just huge piece of shit move where he shouts in her head basically like he like gets on he's like fuck yeah like right by her yeah 
It's like what a fucking asshole thing to do. God damn. Um, another thing that stood out to me was um, just again, just little things that like uh, it's neat that like the character motivation like it works so well that even on a couple of viewings, you know, you just don't even necessarily think about it. Of course, you notice it, but you don't even think about it. Uh, but for some reason this time I was like, oh yeah, it would make sense that Claudia would want to go out with this police officer because she's self-destructive. She wants to make the yeah. worst decisions possible. And what could be a worse decision when you're a cokehead <laughs> than to date the cop who got called to your house? I'd say about 45 minutes of footage in this three-hour movie are just her doing cocaine. <laughs> uh, something to that note of character motivations that I like that it's just kind of peppered in. I brought it up to you. At the end, John C. Riley sees... Um, William H. Macy climbing up that uh, drain pipe and he goes back to get him after he's just cleaned the place out and the frogs start and he gets them after he falls and they hide in that gas station and then it's over and he tells them what he did and he's like all right we're just going back in and you're just putting the money back and they throughout the movie pepper in like you know shots of his apartment where he's got a crossover his bed and there's parts where he's praying and stuff like that and they don't hit you over the head that he's a religious guy Mm -hmm. but he is and so if anybody in this movie is going to see frogs falling from the sky and go, I got to forgive this guy. This is for sure a sign. It's going to be uh, uh, John C. Raleigh's character. Yeah. I also really do like uh, the fact that when he falls off, the he smashes his face yeah, in his teeth. So so he yeah, he does need the money for real. Oh, can we talk about Doc Ock and his assistant? Probably the funniest yeah. part of the fucking movie. You got struck by lightning, Donnie. <laughs> you don't need braces. Bad idea. Yeah. Uh, Doc Ock, you, you do have to see Boogie Nights. Uh, Alfred Molina. Yeah. yeah, he shows up uh, as like the big bad and like the final yeah. act. Yeah, kind of a coke dealer type that Marky Mark that? and uh, his buddy John C. Riley get mixed up with. It's a very dangerous, intense scene because they're kind of hanging out there. I don't know if they owe him money or they're trying to score coke or something, but it's it's off. He's like wearing a silk robe and like nothing else and just hanging out with a bunch of guys with guns I'd in like- a nice mansion. I'd like to see Alfred Molina in more stuff. I'm sure he's in more movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love him and everything I see him in. Um, like I haven't seen Buggy Nights, but you telling me that I could definitely see him as like a big scary coke dealer. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I could see him as the scientist from Spider-Man Two or fucking the 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 little guy helping Indiana Jones through the forest at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, he's a great. I, I not to. I always. Not to derail it into a superhero movie, but I am for just a minute. I think the only part that really holds up for me for that second Spider-Man movie is Alfred Molina, especially at the beginning uh, when Peter goes to meet him. When he's just Mr. Octopus. When he's just, he hasn't gotten his doctorate. Yeah, yet. he's just Mr. Octopus, and he's there with his wife. And he's like, oh, Peter Parker, Dr. Connors has told me about you. Brilliant yet, brilliant yet lazy. And he's like, yeah, whatever, and they talk or whatever. And then at the end, after the big fight or whatever... And, the fucking he's got the big man-made sun in the bay and everything's crashing down or whatever and uh spider-man jumps down and takes his mask off and he's like you have to help me stop this thing and he just stops for a second he's like peter parker brilliant you let lazy mm-hmm. i'm like oh that's so good that's so good it makes me cry a little bit every time yes. i think about it it's Very great good. alfred molina is great Let's continue talking about Magnolia. <laughs> well, just on a side note real quick, let's talk about Spider-Man 2. Okay. Uh, that Spider-Man iteration specifically, would you characterize that Peter Parker as lazy? I remember him being pretty 
he was like going to school and on the school newspaper then he went to college did pretty well but was also delivering pizzas at the same time like fighting crime at night well no that's the thing about oh he comes off as lazy because he's up all night and he probably is bad at school work yeah yeah like they they really drive it home in the beginning of spider-man 2 that he's like dropping the ball he's never in class he can't deliver pizzas on time he can't pay his rent stuff like that yeah it's been so long since i've seen that movie uh that's my favorite thing about spider-man is spider-man is just probably taking on more than he should yeah no yeah uh it is whether it's, batman's a billionaire he could do nothing all day yeah exactly he could be up all night yeah uh whether it's intentional or not spider-man is very much so like a uh metaphor for having depression but instead of having depression he has to be spider-man <laughs> and, uh, and yeah that's i think that i'm stealing this from Patton oswald who was in magnolia but uh, yeah, he said something along the lines of Superman being uh, Spider-Man being his favorite because Batman's like, oh, I got to figure out how to stop these bank robbers, but also I have to be at this charity ball. And uh, Superman's like, oh, I got to stop this from flying into the sun or whatever. And Spider-Man's like, I can't pay my fucking rent. <laughs> Just to speed through a couple of other things. Um, yeah, really hit me this time. Again, the, uh, the Earl Partridge's uh, big regret speech. Where yep. He talks about use regret. He's like, fuck people who say live your life with no regrets that's horseshit you should regret things and when you regret things you should fucking do something about it yep uh, another thing is how much his wife kind of mirrors earl's um uh, uh earl's journey um in the sense that earl is a man who oh, cheated yeah. on his wife and then she died and now he lives with this regret of like oh i really did love her yep. and the wife's in the same position where she cheated on earl the whole time and now that he's dying she's fallen in love with him yeah and i love that scene with her and the lawyer and she's like i don't want this i don't want any of this money and he's like come back when you're not high and she's like fuck you <laughs> fuck you yeah <laughs> so um i will say um we have been uh just loving this movie up and i think it deserves it but it does get some criticism for being melodramatic uh think? for being melodramatic for being a bit indulgent bloated you know indulgent from the standpoint of like paul thomas anderson just kind of like you know in a sense like i would say i can see how people would look at it the kind of the same way that like something like donnie darko right yeah where it's like paul thomas anderson just had the chance to do whatever he wanted because boogie nice was a huge hit and he just took it and he just did whatever he wanted i think it worked out very well but the fact that it's three hours and there's so many characters and it ends with like such a weird biblical metaphor. There are people, detractors. I think it, you know, has overall good reviews, but they're kind of like, yeah, it's like seven, eight territory, you know? I like that. Even if it's a Donnie Darko or a, whether it be Donnie Darko or Magnolia or Dune, mm -hmm. or, well, not Dune. He got didn't get creative control of it. Whatever, it's a director just going fucking ham, mm -hmm. and even if it's pretentious or even if it's bad mm -hmm. or even if it's good. I really like that. Yeah. Um, I I would much prefer a bad movie coming out of a director being so far up his own ass mm -hmm. rather than a movie being bad because it's made by committee, you know? Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I have an interest in seeing Gummo yeah. or Antichrist, and it's one of the reasons why I'm pretty sure I like my own private Idaho, and it's uh, why I liked, among other things, because in general it's just kind of... a it's because of this the texas chainsaw massacre too it was definitely yeah. toby hooper just being like i'm not going to give you another texas chainsaw massacre yeah i hope you know if you give me money for another one you're not going to get the same <laughs> what you yeah. want out of it uh, i talked about it probably recently on another podcast but yeah i just played through metal gear solid 2 again uh -huh. and that is my favorite thing about it it's because that game is bad on yeah. purpose because it's kojima 
being mm. super far up his own ass and being like, hey, people who really want sequels and people who really like idolize action heroes are fucking dumb, and I'm going to tell you by making you play this really long, kind of shitty game. And a lot of people hate that game because they're like, hey, it's kind of long and shitty and uh, kind of mean, and I, I love it for that. Well, okay, so here's a couple of things I want to talk about real quick, and then we can get back to the, the movie a bit. Um... One is that I really do want you to see Boogie Nights and then also Punch Drunk Love because I'm 98% sure those are the two movies that sandwich this one. Okay. And it's so interesting because Boogie Nights is kind of like Magnolia Light in a lot of ways. You know, there's a decent amount of characters. Isn't Don Cheadle in Boogie Nights? Yeah. Then I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I'll watch anything with Don Cheadle. Um, it does a neat thing. It really does do this neat thing. I'm not going to spoil, but just kind of forecast where... The first like half of the movie takes place in the tail end of the 70s, and then New Year's happens, and then the last half, the 80s, are just dark and a big nightmare and just a big bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so like, Magnolia ends up being, again, like the more indulgent version of what everybody loved about Boogie Nights, right? Boogie Nights told a very tight story, even though it was a little, like I said, bloated with a lot of characters and a lot of moving parts. And then immediately after that, uh, I've actually read a bit of the, I guess you'd call it lore, Punch Drunk Love is a very, very, very contained, simple, hour-and-a-half story. Yeah. It is bare bones, stripped back, right? Very little dialogue, kind of Drive-esque, but in melodrama form, I guess. But um, Paul Thomas Anderson set out to write what Punch Drunk Love was when he started Magnolia. Okay. And that's where Magnolia gets his name because he says that it kept billowing out like a magnolia flower. Um and so, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know how to put it in a more elegant or, like, come to a finer point other than to say that to, I would like for you to see those two movies just for kind of context's sake. Yeah, I'd love to. And a larger statement I'd like to say about Paul Thomas Anderson is the fucking range. I haven't seen The Master, but, I mean, even just, like, to go from Boogie Nights to, like, Magnolia, then to Punch Drunk Love, and then there's some stuff I'm forgetting, obviously, but, like, even making, like, There Will Be Blood and The Master, right? I feel like there's a lot of range there. Yeah. You know? I mean, just compare There Will Be Blood to Magnolia. Yeah, no, exactly. You know? I I always, always forget There Will Be Blood is Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to see The Master. I think you might have seen that one, right? That's the one that has the other Phoenix, not River. Joaquin. Joaquin. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. I have seen parts of The Master. Uh-huh. My dad used to allegedly steal a lot of movies. Yeah. And put like five or six on a, on a, on a disc. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would, like, be watching, like, season one of Scrubs. Uh-huh. It would fall asleep and wake up, like, six hours later. It would be halfway through <laughs> the master. So, yeah, I've seen parts yeah. of it. But Very closely really related uh, to There Will Be Blood, only in the sense that, like, I don't remember I don't remember the full backstory, but it was the idea that, like, I think he actually started the master first and then did There Will Be Blood. And there were, like, something about, like, I can't remember entirely, like, some scenes that were intended for one ending up in the other and stuff. There's just a bunch of neat little things that Paul Thomas Anderson oh. talked about like that. But anyways, back to the actual movie. I also want to give a shout-out to William H. Macy because we haven't talked about that much. Yeah. Um, the last couple of days or the last week or whatever has actually been an interesting experience for me because I've now seen two films where William H. Macy does a really good job and oh, yeah. really good movies and whatnot. And to this point, I've only known him as the guy who's in Magnolia because I've seen it a million times and also Shameless. He's also and in the music video for... All-Star by Smash Mouth. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, William H. Macy. Great actor. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm going to say. I like his scene where he breaks down and confesses his love and all that. 
um, when he's like, uh, "Do you want to know what the cow, common elephant? It's uh, el- er, uh, el- element is." He's like, "It's you know whatever the fuck," and he's like, "It's it's coal. It, it's in graphite, but then it's also in hardened form and diamonds and stuff like that." And I can teach you things. I I know things, and I can teach you things, whatever. Uh, but I will say that scene for I, some reason I, it just doesn't land. I don't understand the confusing children of the angels thing. Yeah, same. I really don't. I wish I, I did. It makes me feel dumb. I was gonna say next to the other whiz kid, I'd say that's for me the weakest emotional moment. Mm-hmm. It's because yeah, I don't understand that. Well, and it's but that's something that we discussed about real quick was that uh, I feel like I always compared him to the other whiz kid but i don't really think he mirrors the whiz kid i think he mirrors john c Riley more yeah right they're people who just both kind of like blindly love they got all this love they don't know where to put it william h macy says that right and he basically treats the bartender the way that john c Riley treats the girl yeah you know but he also mirrors um and he's just as dumb they're both very very dumb make huge mistakes yeah i think he, he also mirrors fuck up their jobs at the same time for different reasons he mirrors um the daughter and Tom Cruise. Yeah. The whole resentment against your parents yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's all connected, Chris. It is. Um, There's so many little things like that. I love, a quick shout out, love William H. Macy's glasses of this. They're just bright red <laughs> for no reason. Love it. Um, I do really like in the in the bar scene where he's saying the shit about graphite like you were saying or whatever the element was is going on and on and on and like and he goes oh yeah thanks for all I just needed the answer jimmy not all that information all right mm-hmm. thanks it's like oh great love it love it mm-hmm. and i definitely thought he was gonna have braces in this movie and i was like oh god i'm not gonna be able to sympathize with this adult <laughs> with braces and i'm glad they didn't do it yes yeah i think there's also for as much as like i said i can understand the criticism of it being like indulgent and long and kind of bloated i think there's a lot of restraint yeah a lot of subtlety i really do um, and at the end of the day, it's really just impressive. I mean, I couldn't imagine uh, sitting down and writing something like that and then just, again, having every character have all of these little subtle things. Yeah. These subtle psychologies and motivations uh, that we can just sit here and talk about, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's super, super, super impressive. I love it. Parts of it are really subtle, and there's a lot of restraint in parts, but also at the end, fucking frogs rain from the sky. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. Yes. Um, so at the end of the day, for me, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a movie about uh, forgiveness and um, trauma and dealing with trauma, uh, not dealing with trauma, but I guess it, which is also a way to try to deal with trauma, um, the interconnectivity of life, um, and yeah. Um, just that, I guess, just, just the idea that we're all more in it together than we actually think, you know, yeah. you can feel pretty alone sometimes and yeah, you, you're, you're alone. I'm not going to take it away from you. You are alone, but Thank also you. in a lot of ways, we're a lot closer to each other than we think we are. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I think a decent portion, there's so many little moments uh, little lines that, like, I think are nice ways to, like, sum it up. Like, the idea of the good book says, you know, we may be done with the past, but the past ain't done with us. Or at the end, when John C. Reilly gives his whole speech, which is about him being a cop, but actually it's more of a metaphor for just being a person, right? The idea that, like, I got to make those calls, you know, when I'm on the, you know, uh, the clock, when I'm on the street, yeah. you know. Um, you know, that's the tough part. What can we forgive? All that stuff. Um, 
And yeah, all of those things, I don't know, move me, resonate with me, feel true, feel true to life, yeah. true to my experience, you know? I would and it s- just fucking gets me. I would say, if I had any real complaints with this movie, I would take it from three hours and ten minutes to about three hours and eight and a half minutes. <laughs> Uh, and it would cut out that garbage where they're all fucking singing the same song for some reason. <laughs> I forgot about it. I don't know what that... I, <laughs> only part of the movie, I in my head, I was like, mm, this shit's whack. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why. I, it, it, yeah. does, it, it really uh, took me out of it for a good minute and a half. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no. Is this the... Is, is the last half of this movie, is the last third of this movie going to be a musical? Because if not, what the fuck is this? Like I say, it, 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 it immediately reminds me of the scene in Donnie Darko when everybody's waking up from the Donnie Darko dream. And yeah. Like, All through around me is familiar face. Well, that's just like a, a moody needle yes. drop, and that's more acceptable. Yes. If it was just the song and it yeah. showed everybody, that'd be fine. But everybody is singing, singing the it. song. Yeah. yeah. I don't like any of that. Yeah. Also, shouts out Amy Mann for that soundtrack. Yeah, I, I, I regularly listen to uh, the the one in the trailer, the one that's like, uh, God, what's the lyric? It's a really neat lyric. It, oh, it's like, and I know life is getting shorter. I can't bring myself to break routine, even when it's approaching torture. I've got my routine, maybe or something like that. I can't remember, but uh, I think I was reading. I think it's Amy Mann. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was very inspired. She. Listening. Paul Thomas Anderson was very oh, okay. inspired by her music while writing this. And I think there are a few lines of dialogue in this movie that are straight up just lyrics from some yeah. of her songs. Yeah. yeah, I think she won an Academy Award for the soundtrack. Very and cool. uh, also, just a little fun fact, Wise Up was used in Community. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not going yeah. to stop till you wise up. Ooh, fuck, I had a really good segue that you were probably going to shoot down. Do you have more to say about Magnolia? Do I have more to say about Magnolia? I'm sure. I'm sure I could go on about it for a while. I hope to God that what I can only assume was incoherent rambling uh, was worth listening to and that I I got most of what I wanted to say out, I hope. I can only hope. Hey, it's Chris. I found this fucking tape in our backyard. So uh, it sounds uh, like uh, dog shit. And uh, I'm sorry. So, why don't you start by talking about your experience with this? Uh, the Blair Witch Project. You've seen before. I have claimed to have seen before. Not sure I did. There's a movie Chris is always going, ah, I think ah, you might ah. have. I mean, it's such a short movie. Yeah. And I remember seeing it and thinking not much of it. Like, you know, I get it. It's one of the original found footage movies, and it's, you know, the gold standard for them. But I was like, nah. It's a movie from 1999. Why do you reckon? Can you remember anything? Like, you're about to, obviously, go into it a little yeah. bit, but can you remember? I, it just didn't hold any weight to me. I thought it was pretty minimal and, like, ooh, there's a spooky sound here. Ooh, there's a spooky sound yeah. here. And, like, it's very slowly trying to build tension, and I just wasn't invested in any of it, from mm-hmm. what I remember. And I, I, I remember th- almost like the original Halloween, where, you know, I get it, but at the same time, I've seen so many other things that have come after Halloween. Yeah. That, like, my biggest uh, uh, example for this is always Anchorman. Yeah. I didn't see Anchorman until after Anchorman 2 came out. Mm-hmm. And everyone always goes, it's the funniest movie ever. And I watch it, and I'm like, I've seen a thousand movies exactly like this. Yeah. So much so that this isn't funny to me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't find Anchorman funny. Yeah. 
and that's what I thought of uh, Blair Witch, but then me and you watched it like last week, two yes. weeks ago maybe? Something like that, yeah. Um, fucking scariest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it was, which I, maybe I was just more invested in it. Like you said, we might have watched it with several other people last mm-hmm. time. Um, which on a side note, before we get into it, that's something I want to mention too. Like, So I've seen The Blair Witch Project a lot, mm-hmm. many, many times. Um, and one of the last three times I saw it, I think I watched it, it within the last year, once because um, my partner and I bought it on VHS and we were like, oh, that, that'd be dope. That'd be dope, yeah. Uh, twice because um, my younger sister and her boyfriend know that I'm a horror hound. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, uh, like you know, Danielle's always like, I'm a woman of science, you know. Like they, but they still like playing with it a little bit because how much I like it. It's kind of cute. Um, so they were like, show us the scariest movie. So my dad, me, and Alicia were all like, The Blair Witch Project, Jinx, Yomi and Coke, Two Pinches, One Back, Naomi and Sprite, whatever the fuck, right? Um, but yeah, in unison, we were all basically just like, The Blair Witch Project! And just fell totally flat, right? Yeah. Um, I'll talk more about that later, but yeah, they were just like, to this day, Alex, my sister's boyfriend, says it's the worst movie he's ever seen. Um, but to take it back to my original point was that like, yeah, uh, they asked the same thing recently. They, they, they're going off to, uh, college, like six hours away from here. They leave Wednesday, Tuesday I plan to see them, and, uh, you know, they want us to like, bring a scary movie. They want to watch another scary movie. Very scary movie. Excuse me. And I just keep thinking, like, I don't know how well scary movies work in general when you see them with other people. Not... Excuse me. Not, like, one... I don't know, maybe, like, one other person. But, like, you know, when you do, like, a group of three, four, five... I don't know, you feel kind of fortified, safe, you know? It's... Yeah. I think think it doesn't land as much. Um, And similarly... It's one of two problems, I think, that your viewing experience with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre has. One of them is yeah. that, like I said, it's you got to kind of, like, recalibrate, you know, your yeah. expectations and stuff, and I kind of understand the context. Same thing with the Blue Witch Project. Uh, but the other being that, like, I don't know, we watched it with, like, me and Megan. You guys are smoking dope. Megan's not really into old movies. And I feel like, you know, you kind of, like, you know, you're hanging out with, like, one or two people. Like, maybe, like, Jordan would be a good example. Like, but I think... Uh, you know the fact that Megan's not really into old movies also works for it's just that thing where like you might be more inclined to be like no this is stupid like it reminds me of a story Kevin Smith told about uh or maybe it wasn't Kevin Smith I don't know they saw I can't remember what fucking movie they saw but there's this story about like Chris Rock and like all of those guys like while they were filming Dogma or something like that going to see this movie and just ripping into it the whole time they were watching it and then a couple of them individually saw it a second time kind of alone in a better context and they're like holy shit, like, I can't believe I thought this was one of the worst movies I've ever seen <laughs> when I was, you yeah. know, and now I'm seeing it alone, and I'm like, oh my god, this is, you know, genuinely good. Yeah, I'd like to rewatch Texas Chainsaw Massacre at some point. Because um, the same thing with Halloween. The first time I saw Halloween, I was like, I get it, mm-hmm. but also, I don't really get it. But as yeah. time goes on, and I get more appreciation for it, and I've seen it more. I'm like, oh, you know, this movie's fucking spooky. I get it. Um, so one of the things I want to start off by saying is that I think... One of the blessing slash curse elements of uh, the Blurish Project is the same thing with the X Files. Uh, to quote Camille Nanjiani with the X Files files, it's that thing where it's it's he he calls the X Files the last great pre-internet TV show, yeah. right? 
or like half the reason why it works is because every episode is predicated on like Mulder and Scully basically doing what could happen to you back in the day if you were just on a road trip. You stop to take a piss, suddenly you're in this weird town. And yeah, of course there's not a fucking werewolf or like a but it just you get this vibe of like, geez, these people live in like a totally different world than I do. Yeah. This is weird. Like it almost feels like a forgotten place. Now with like, you know, the strip mallification and Google Maps kind of thing and everybody's kinda of lost its charm and it just feels yeah. like backwoods Trump land everywhere. Yeah. Um, but same thing with like the Blair Witch. The first strength that I want to like comment on is that if these teens are just lost in the woods, horrifying. Already. Already, like that's a movie in and of itself. Like, you know, even just the idea that the main girl, what's her name? I know that one of them is Mike. It's Mike, um, Josh. Josh. Heather, I believe. Heather. Yeah, Heather keeps claiming to be able to read a map, right? Yeah. And for all she knows, she could think she knows how to read a map. Maybe she was in the Girl Scouts. Maybe her dad showed her. Maybe she had a couple of classes. You know, maybe she does know how to read a map a little bit. But being able to read a map a little bit is a lot different than, oh shit, suddenly I'm a little lost, right? Like, I kind of lost my place and I think we're here. Yeah. Well, that's a big discrepancy. You know what I mean? What I'm saying is, like, they're probably city kids. Like, yeah. yes, they may have a couple of skills, but it would be very, very easy and believable for Heather to lose her spot on that map. Yeah, right? exactly. And it's just built on that foundation of just, like, little slips and, like, believable this, that, and the other. To the point where I even read that most of the script, it was shot on, like, a 28-page script. Yeah. It's all improv. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> had an interesting thing about that when you were talking about their arguing. Well, after we watched it, you were like, you were like, I was watching those argument scenes, and I was like, holy shit, this is so, like, real. Like, the way that they're yelling at each other, like, I would be this pit. You, yeah, 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 yeah. It reminded me of... It's one of those first episodes of the Twilight Zone where uh -huh. the guy, the last man on Earth, mm -hmm. and he's just running in the room screaming <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. And I remember watching that and being like, fuck, that's exact. Like, yeah. Don't think about it, but like, yeah, things got that bad, that's what yeah. happened. And yeah, I think like some of the most tense parts of the Lair Witch are them just arguing with each other. And like, especially in the beginning where they're just like, no, man, I'm not scared. I'm just fucking, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I don't want to get to the car. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh no, these people are terrified. Yeah. And, like, even as it goes on, when they're just, like, hysterical, like, trying to keep themselves together, just, mm -hmm. like, again, like, regardless of there being a witch out here, we are going to die in the woods. Yeah. And um, it works really well with, like, the whole, fuck, we've been walking south all day, and we're right back where we started. Um, and, like, the, ooh, maybe that's, like, you know, some spooky... Such a cliche, but that's so, so effective, and I think they do it very well, where it's, like... If that happens, like, I've seen that happen in movies where, like, I think we're exactly where, then it doesn't land, but I feel yeah. like it works so well in that. And even if you take that out of it, like, other horror movies, like A Haunted House or whatever, it's just, like, you can watch it and be like, get the fuck out of the house. Yeah. Or get the fuck out of here. With this movies. movie, they're trying. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, like, it, the, you are fucked. And, like, yeah. that's, uh, like, more than any other movie, a horror movie I've seen, it's like, when you, you're really empathized with these people and mm -hmm. you really, like, think about yourself in that situation. Yeah. It is so fucking scary. And, like, apart from that, just that general concept, I think maybe the, the scariest parts of this movie are when they're in the tent. Mm -hmm. Like, at all, every night when they're in the tent, and it's like, oh, fuck, we hear something over there, mm -hmm. and then we hear I'm something still over there. thinking about it. Because to this day, that and The Conjuring are the only two movies that genuinely scare me. Yeah. That I genuinely am uncomfortable by. Yeah, and it's that them just sitting in there and it's like dead quiet, and like you hear just them rustling a little bit in the tent, and then you just hear like 
Or you hear like rocks. You hear rocks. Or twigs. Or you hear just like mumbles or whatever. And then you hear that baby, and one of them is just like, no, there's not a baby. There can't be a fucking yeah. baby in the woods. It's like, oh, fuck, that's so good. Because <laughs> um, me, just personally, like, I, I'm a horror hound. I love digging around on Reddit and uh, finding, like, ooh, what's the scariest thing that ever happened to you and stuff. And sometimes they'll even have the caveat of, like, people who solo hike or whatever. Like, yeah. what's the scariest thing that happened to you? And, like, 100% one of my biggest fears is I'm in the woods and I see a guy. Yeah. There's just a guy or something, right? To be fair, like, I'm even talking like, oh, I'm on a hiking trail and I pass another guy. But if you're just straight up in the middle of nowhere and you see a guy. Yeah. Or like even, I mean, they they do it in Blair Witch too, but if like, say you're out in the woods and you see a pile of sticks that couldn't have been put in a pile by anything other than a man (laughs) or a woman, that's horrifying. Um, and, you know, she kicks over the sticks and that, or she kicks over the rocks and that's yeah. scary. But, like, uh, back to them being in the tent, it's like, and, like, uh, uh, you definitely get in that mindset, too, where it's like... Uh, Would you want to leave the tent? Like, yeah, because in your, in your, it's like, I cannot leave this tent. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, there's no way I'm safe in this tent. It's yeah. just a tent. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't leave the tent. And there's that part where, like, something comes and, like, starts pushing on the side of the tent. Horror. Oh, fucking horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also like that they come to the conclusion, like, let's not even light a fire like, let's yeah. not even bring attention to us. Because, again, I don't want to spend too much time with the review talking about anecdotal this and story of that, but it reminds me of a Reddit story I read one time about a guy solo hiking, and he's on the side of the lake, and he can see this little light traveling from the mm-hmm. other side of the lake, and he, you know, he's like, well, kind of seems like it might be coming this way, so he backs off, like, 50 yards and hides in a bush and sees a guy come over and whatnot, and the guy, like, rummages through his shit and stuff like that, and then fucks off, and he can see the light traveling back to the other side and stuff like that. And it's one of those things that always keeps me from being interested in like camping not at a campsite it's just that like if i build a fire if there is a murder out here i'm basically saying hey come murder yeah exactly (laughs) but um yes to talk more about uh the movie it's uh itself you know maybe take it back to the beginning one of the things that i really like is uh just all the all the the people that got around town to just like the world building, I guess, is what I want to get. Yeah. It's just like, you know, like the mother they interview and whatnot. Or the guys down by the a river. Like, of course, there's a little bit of like, oh, this is like, you know, it seems clerks level a little bit. Where it's like, oh, these are just, you know, probably some actors who answered an ad or whatever. But by and large, you're kind of like, this feels pretty fucking yeah. real. Yeah, this yeah. feels like, this also feels like maybe these people just don't really know how to talk on camera a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And it's one of those things where like, because of how well they build the world, you almost expect it to be, like, real folklore that they build on. Yeah. And to a degree, it is connected with, like, a little bit, I guess, but not, you know, it's it's almost like uh, any horror movie. They took quite a bit of license with what the folklore is. Uh, but even that shit's uncomfortable. Like, that, there's that one guy who straight up feels like he's out of clerics. He's wearing, like, a backwards cap, and he's like, yeah, so, uh, you know, he used to take kids up there, I don't know, something like two by two or something, and then he'd make one of them, like, stand in the corner or something like that while he killed the other one or whatever. And, like, just so many little, like, seeds that they plant like that is just, like, ugh, scary. Or, like, the old lady that they interview yeah. at, at the trailer park. I don't remember yeah. her name. Like, whatever. She's the town kook. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. the crazy woman. And she's like, and I turned around, and she said, she had hair. Like, like, like horse hair. Like, black yeah. hair. Like, all of it is so creepy. The one and gets, we're not even in the woods yet. Yeah, the one that gets through the most is, like, it's a... Uh... It's scary seeing it, but also at the same time, it's just like thinking about it of like 
making this movie kind of standpoint is like oh that's so good and like you just happen to get that shot but that lady that's talking and she's got a baby in her arm she's talking to the baby's fussing the whole time and when she starts like talking about the witch the baby like starts covering her mouth it's like oh that's so fucking good yes yes um i think something that really like I, I thinking about it the thing that gets me the most is I guess the actors mm-hmm. and how legitimately terrified they seem the entire time and like I said it starts slow where they kind of deny that, that they're scared or whatever where at some point I think it's Josh goes are you not scared enough can't mm-hmm. we just do this or whatever um, and like uh, like when they find the house and they're looking for Josh in the house Realistically, think about it. Me in that situation, they'd be like, "All right, if we're getting going in there to get Josh, I don't want anything knowing we're in this house." So you sneak in and you look around and try to find Josh, and then ooh, a, 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 an oogie boogie gets you. Mm-hmm. But they're in there fucking screaming at the top. Of their I house. think specifically her, right? Yeah, she's screaming, yeah. but he's like, "He's downstairs!" Yeah, I'm yeah. A, come on, let's go. It's like, oh my yeah. god, like just how just petrified he is. Yeah. Um, and uh, fuck, I keep having a point. And I keep losing it. Um, <laughs> Uh, 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 say something while I think. Um, yes, and you know, one of the things I like a lot too is like the whole she keeps filming thing. Oh, that's and what I, I don't say, yeah. Really like the whole like, oh, it's all I have left thing, but I do really like, I think it's Josh's point of him being like, I see why I like this camera so much, it's almost like it's not real. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, no, that, that's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Every found footage movie you see, uh, the whole time you're like, why are you still filming? Mm-hmm. Why are these people still filming? But I uh, like in the Blair Witch Project, both of them are like, why are you still filming? Yeah, why are you doing? I this? like how much tension is yeah. being built by like her still. Filming. Yeah, and yeah. I do like her saying, yeah, I, I I do like her saying it's all I have left. And yeah, I do I do like, like her being like, oh, I want to get this, oh, I want to get this, oh, I want to get this. But like when she starts like very desperate, being like, it's all I have left. I'm like, oh, it's a little melodramatic. In my yeah. Opinion. But yes, I like it up until that line, kind of, and I also like the tension, and I also like him being like, oh, it's almost like it's not real. Um, because, yeah, that's kind of the thing. There are a lot of people, you know, like that, that they're like, you know, like, oh, I kind of want to be haunted. I kind of want to know it's real, you know. And uh, it is definitely believable that she would want to get some of that on, on camera or whatnot. Yeah. You know? So I think it really does work. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I I still want to give the first Paranormal Activity some credit. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's probably. I've not seen a lot of found footage. Mm-hmm. I've seen Cloverfield or whatever. That one works too. I don't know. But for some reason, I guess the reasons we're talking about, like yeah, this one just hits so much harder. Like way yeah. harder it's way grittier and real and I think it's a combination of like the marketing around it the fact that it had a lot of people kind of convinced it was a real thing uh-huh. you know? and so during my childhood it was like a real thing you know in my head at least and then also the improv and the fact that all these actors like play it off so natural that like just it's like this perfect soup of just believable yeah <laughs> and I think I think even without that, it works because when we were watching it, I was petrified. I was on my phone, like looking up like behind the scenes stuff to like try to like pull me out of yeah. it a little bit, and it was not working at all. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, I think I I like it horror movies and like found footage stuff 
um, what's that old you know adage about horror movies? It's like once you see the ghost, once you know what's going on, it gets way less scary. But I think if they hold back on it too much, it could be to its detriment. Read like I've heard this about the Blair Witch, like as a criticism, where it's like there's nothing to be afraid of. You don't know what's going on the entire time, and I get that. And like you know how it ends with the famous shot of him in the corner, and then the camera falls, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And I've heard some people be like, "Well, yeah, that's an unsatisfying ending because it's like, fuck, well, okay, but like, uh, you don't know what's going on." But me personally, I love it because when that happens, when the camera falls and then it cuts to black, I'm not like, "Well, what the fuck was that?" I'm like, "Oh, thank God, this is over." <laughs> like I'm just like, "Okay, yeah, they died. Whatever. There's a witch. Maybe, maybe there is. Maybe there yeah. isn't. I didn't see it. Whatever. I don't have to see any of this again. No. I'm excited. Great. Yeah. It got me. No, I love it because." They plant that seed of the whole, like, oh, they make the one look in the corner of us, you see Josh in the corner yeah, over yeah. it, it's just like, oh, shit. Um, which, again, is a little, like, plot holy because, as I said while we were watching it, with the whole backstory of, like, oh, he killed him two by two, and he couldn't stand the eyes on him, like, someone watched him, so he'd make one of them look in the corner. Just don't take two in the basement at a time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but no, I think, I think it works really well that you never see the witch, because it's not... I think... In horror movies, there are monster movies and there are like serial killer movies and slashers and whatnot. Yeah. And there's also just ghosts, paranormal, like witches. Like, there's a chance the witch doesn't even necessarily take like a physical form. There's also yeah. a chance that they're just going insane, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a chance that they're trying to, that the two dudes are trying to kill Heather. You there you that? go. Yeah, there's a little fan theory. Um, but yeah, I like that they don't show anything because I think that again lends to its like credibility and it's like believability because in the real world um people say they see ghosts and stuff like that but we generally think those kinds of people are like kooks or whatever yeah um but you know you're just home alone I'm sure you've experienced this where you're like what was that noise yeah that was on the podcast yesterday yeah exactly so like the fact that the movie is just grounded in that kind of a thing where it's like am i really hearing what i'm hearing yeah. is this going on am i like what is this like could that just be a deer you know whatever what's going on like just the fact that it stays like it, it just has the the in my opinion the good sense to like hold back a little bit yeah right oh yeah um apparently i did read a little bit of trivia that there was supposed to be a scene where they show the witch yeah. Uh, like the director or something like that was dressed oh, up in some yeah, little yeah. thing and he was like running at Heather in one scene and there's a scene where she's running through the woods and she like out of nowhere goes Wah! like she saw something Yeah, she says, well, but the, the camera just never yeah. yeah the camera never pans over it was supposed to but it didn't uh, and again I'm glad that that didn't happen because yeah. again like I just feel like that would make it goofy silly yeah. you know what I mean like if they ever did show the witch now it's a monster in the woods yeah it's one of those things it's like paranormal, paranormal activity most of the scare the horror from this comes out of necessity because mm-hmm. of the budget or because like they fuck this shot up and they don't have a I chance will say, to get another one. One of my favorite parts in the paranormal activity is when they put the flower on the ground and you can just see the yeah, footprints yeah, happening yeah, yeah, in the yeah. flower. Oh I, I know it's not the movie we're supposed to be talking about, but yeah. I love paranormal activity. The uh it's such a, a smart little design, but you have the numbers at the bottom, the time from the camera. And it's just speeding up the entire time, and then when it stops, you're like, "Ah, oh, shit!" Yeah. Oh, shit! No, no, no. I'd like to rewatch that one. I really would. It's been a while. Didn't we watch all of them in a row? Up to a point, there should, there there might be like a couple of like 
more recent ones that we couldn't find on streaming okay. services. But I think we watched up to like five. I think, yeah, we watched, I, I, I think. There could be more, I don't know. Yeah, we watched the first one, and I was like, well, fuck, that was good, let's watch two. And the two was okay. An immediate, I feel like, drop yeah. down. <laughs> Each one's half as good as the last. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, one of those things where, like, um, it reminds me of, I just watched 80% of the Amityville Horror last night. Yeah. Awful dog shit movie. <laughs> there are ten movies in that franchise. Yeah. After, wow. like, the third one, they're direct-to-video. Okay. And I don't know, I can't speak on that, but I can speak on the Halloween franchise. Um... I personally just hate whenever a uh, horror franchise is focused on like one family. Yeah. It's just like, come on, yeah. really? This is going to keep happening yeah. for yeah. just like 20 years of somebody's life. This, um, I, I think it's a little bit more, I don't know, believable or enjoyable when it's something like, I don't know, Nightmare on Elm Street, where it's like, there's a street where this happens. Yeah. Or like uh, Friday the 13th, it's like camp, because in real life lore like that happens way more often than like a family being terrorized for 20 years that a and place it, is where evil lives yeah and know? it's also like you could yourself stumble upon yeah elm streets mm-hmm. or and so wherever michael myers lives mm-hmm. you are never in your life going to become part of yeah. that family you know and so that's one of the problems i think paranormal activity has is that like for some reason it's like the, in the second movie it's like oh her sister, now her family's being whatever. Yeah, back and then in the, the next movie, yeah. it's like her aunt or something. Yeah, <laughs> the next yeah. Movie, yeah. That woman shows up. I, I think that's what happens with uh, the second one ends, and there's a cliffhanger with mm-hmm. her, and she's like, "Oh, she's the big bad ghost now." And it's like, "Well, fuck! Now I gotta watch three, and you watch three, and it's not really connected." And then, up, oh, there's a cliffhanger with her mm-hmm. and a cult now, and it's like, "Well, fuck! Now I gotta watch four. There's a cliffhanger with her, and it's like, "I gotta watch five. And there's a cliffhanger with her, and then we gave up. I think we're so far from the Blair Witch Project, but real quick, want to make a side note. I don't know. I'm just making a claim. But I feel like, having now seen the Amityville Horror, and, or most of it, and The Conjuring, I feel like I can kind of tell that the Warrens were like little con men. Yeah. Because those are basically the same story. Yeah. In a sense, right? What happens in the Amityville Horror is that the dad is being possessed by the horror there, Mm -hmm. and slowly going crazy. And wants to kill the family. Just yeah. like the mom in The Conjuring who wanted to kill the kids or whatever. The other thing is that in the basement there's something wrong. Eventually they find out that it's a portal where evil comes and goes and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, House has a similar layout, but even like first night, second night or something like that, there's like some reason why the dad wants to go check out the basement, you know, Coming down the basement and stuff like that. Kid falls down the basement and knocks the light out, just like, you know, when the mom yeah, kind of gets trapped down there from falling and the light goes out at the same time. There's just a lot of, like, little beats like that where I'm like, sounds like the Warrens kept telling the same story, but yep, with different yeah, families, yeah. you know. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about them at large. All I know is that many times over, the Amityville has been proven to be, you know, a hoax that they yeah. needed up to sell a book. Same thing with The Conjuring. A lot of those stories. But anyways, back to the. Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Um, yeah, so like I said, I feel like I'm, I'm parroting something I said earlier, but yeah, I like that it's this location where evil lives. There's this folklore surrounding it, this world building. Uh, the kids go out into it. Um, and yeah, like, it's... As we've talked about before, you've mentioned before, like the thing with ghosts that's scary is like, oh, home is where you're supposed to be safe, you mm-hmm. know, right? Um 
and yeah, this is like the other side of the coin, right? Where like you go to the evil. Yeah. Right? This is where evil lives or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, spooky fucking movie. Like I, I think, yeah, with Blair Witch, it's like in uh, horror movies, it's, it's uh, at night you're fucked, during the day you're safe. Something I really like about The Conjuring, there's a point in The Conjuring where like, a bunch of spooky shit starts happening the whole family, and they go, ah, and they run out of the house, and it's the middle of the day. Um, but in The Blair Witch, it's very much so, spooky shit happens at night, you're safe during the day, but mm-hmm. like, we keep saying, spooky witch shit happens at night, but during the day, you're lost in the fucking woods, <laughs> and it's gonna be night eventually. Oh yeah, that actually does remind me of one last thing I want to mention about, is like, I like that again it's something you've said already i've said already but there's a specific way i want to articulate it again it's they're so believably lost right like they talk about how they're hungry how they're out of cigarettes but there's never any like tacky scenes where they're like well how much food do we have left like oh my god i gotta eat like what do we have what do we have like they're solely focused on like if we keep walking we have to end up out of the woods yeah and again it just it's so believable like i feel like if you're lost in the woods like that's the mode you get into where it's like we have to walk in one direction it's 1999 or whatever 96 or whatever like civilization you know wilderness doesn't exist like that in america anymore we have to bump into a fucking speedway or someone's house or something like let's keep walking eventually we have to find whatever and that's why why the whole trick of we were walking south all day we're Mm -hmm. in the same spot works so well because it's like Mm -hmm. oh no that's not an option anymore you were just in these woods and that's you know toward the end where they start getting like really really fucking they start really losing it um like yeah, again, that's just uh, maybe the scariest part to me is just watching them mm-hmm. lose hope. But at the same time, keep trying to talk to themselves and each other through like, okay, we're just gonna do this. We're gonna get out of mm-hmm. here, and just like crying in the middle of saying that, and just being like, or then like seconds later being like, we're gonna fucking die out here. Um, and what's his face laughing mm-hmm. during it because he's like, oh, you know, I got rid, of, I got rid of the map, guys. Yeah, it's a uh, oh, it's so good. Yeah, they got rid of the map thing. That's something that, like, also, our neighbors, our neighbors, anyways, uh, works into, like, almost all three of, like, the possibilities. Like, A, they're just lost and frustrated and mad and hungry and stuff like that, and, like, I could see, not necessarily me doing it, but, like, I can almost put myself in those shoes, like, if like our friend mm-hmm. um the not very smart one yeah uh was the guy who was like i know how to read a map i know how to read a map i might get to the point where i just fucking threw the map away because i'd be like no you fucking don't yeah you just fucking don't i could you know, we're five days into it and he's like no guys i can really need the you know, you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. like i could get to the point where i'm like no you don't you fucking don't you know what i mean um and that's scary yeah you know what i mean because that's just like normal to a degree like i said trying to really put yourself in the shoes it's kind of like normal human behavior in a sense like you can yep. really almost get there right um let's say there's a witch in the you know forest or whatever the whole thing where like uh you know possession or just not thinking straight you know it's <sighs> just kind of that thing where like the supernatural plays tricks on you compasses don't work whatever yada yada or also they're just out there to murder heather yeah you know and they're just kind of playing mind games, and they're really just trying to fuck with their, you know, scream style. Just yeah, I don't like that theory. So Neither much, do I. But it does make sense. It works like, into all three. Almost, yeah. You know? and if you watch, if you watch it, it makes sense that they are in the map, or you know, they're leading her this way or that way, mm-hmm. and they won't let her have the compass and stuff like that. Oh fuck! Again, okay. 
more just little details like this that I love. I love, and you mentioned it too, so I'm kind of stealing your thing. Okay. I, I also love it. When Josh is just like, bro, I have to be to work in the morning. And then like the next day, he's like, all right, I didn't show up to work today. I didn't call my girlfriend. Someone's yeah. going to be looking for us. Yeah. Know where yeah. we're at. You know what I mean? And like, again, that's just so spooky. And it doesn't even speak to the paranormal. It just speaks to the being lost. Like that thing where you're just like, yeah, like, someone's got to care. Someone's got to look, right? Like, I'm not showing up to work today. They got to be coming, right? They got to be coming, yeah, right? They yeah, gotta, you know. yeah, just like the re- realization of like, oh, yeah, fuck. They're at that point where like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're lost in the woods. And the rationalizing like, oh, somebody has to be looking mm-hmm. for us. Oh. oh. That gets me. And then to take a step back from that strength and just talk about a little bit of like atmospheric. I know it's cultural, um, but it's so effective and it really gets me. I love, love, love that horror movies are always kind of set in the autumn. Yeah. You know I mean, things mm-hmm. are cold, leaves yeah. are gone, yeah. right? And even just something I love, maybe it's more nostalgia than anything, is like when they're hanging out in the town, all the like cheek little Halloween yeah. Um, yeah. decorations and stuff. Uh, it's just something about that time. And I just recently actually learned that in Japan, I believe summertime is more their spooky time. That's mm-hmm. when they tell scary stories and stuff like that. Um... But yeah, I don't know, there's something about the overcast and the fact that, like, at night, like, or even during the day, they're all bundled up because it's cold. It's really yeah. fucking cold. And it's rainy. All the trees. it's wet. And they're crossing little streams yeah. and stuff. And Trees not having leaves on them is way scarier. Yeah. Um, but even to go back into, like, the movie and whatnot, like, again, you're just lost. And there's something about it. Like, I don't know if they're, like, I think they were legitimately just out camping for, like, eight days shooting it or whatever. Yeah. But, like, they look a little grimy they look a little sweaty they yep. look like they're wet they look like they've been walking around for days uh and again that alone is scary enough and then on top of it it's just that thing where like let me compare it to the amityville horror um 10 minutes into that movie there's a scene where like the priest comes to the house to like bless it or whatever and he's like choking and there's flies everywhere and he's got to like run out of the house because he's sick and stuff and yada 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 and my partner like turned to me and she was like, she thought that they were going to kill him off already. And I was like, I don't think they're going to kill him off. But she was like, already? And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is pretty intense for 10 minutes into the movie. But again, like, the uh, Blair Witch Project just starts off so slow. Like, you're like, okay, there's all these spooky stories surrounding the woods. Okay, they're in the woods. You know, okay, like, they think they might have heard something last night. Okay, now they're, they're getting a little stressed about how, like, lost they are. Oh, they definitely heard something tonight. Oh, they're definitely lost today. Oh, shit, like, what's all that noise? Oh, God, they're really lost, right? But it never really, like, breaks that... There's never, like, a release to the tension like a slasher movie has, right? Like, the build-up, 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 kill. And then everything's kind of reset, right? Mm-hmm. And you gotta build tension again, kind of, and hang out. And, oh, suddenly you get the POV shot. And, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, someone's about to get killed. They're gone, right? Instead, like, yeah, the Blair Witch, in its short, like, hour 20, it's just kind of, like, ramping up, ramping up, ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. There's really no release until, kind of, the house, you know, the camera falls over, and, like, it just keeps building. Day and night. Building. Building. uh, Yeah, like, they even lose a person. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel like a release, Mm -hmm. because you don't see it happen. They just Mm -hmm. wake up and Josh is gone. Oh, so scary. Um, Again, you're just lost. Forget the witch part of it. Yeah. You wake up one day, and one of the people that you're lost with is gone. Yeah. yeah. And it's believable, too, because what if Josh said, like, in the middle of the night, fuck this, I don't, whatever, I'm just going to go. Like, because, again, I could almost put myself in those shoes and be like, 
there might be even a point where I'm like, fuck these people, I'm gonna go, I can get myself home. Yeah. I can figure out how to get back to the heart. Or something. I'm not saying I would, I probably wouldn't, I'm a coward, I'd want to stay with the group. I was gonna say, no, I, can, I cannot imagine a situation where I'm like, I'm gonna go. But you could imagine someone here. doing it. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. maybe Elton or something, yeah. just getting so annoyed at a certain point, just be like, whatever, I'm fucking surrounded by idiots, I'm getting myself back to the car. Right? Yeah. You know, I know the woods, I know where I went, you know, like. Do you, do, I don't know if they say it in the movie or not, or if I just thought this, but when they hear Josh screaming in the woods, do they say something like, oh, that's not Josh? Yeah, they're talking about, they're like, no fucking way, that can't be Josh, that's not yeah. Josh. And again, like, that's one of those things that, like, it, maybe it is just Josh, it probably is just Josh, right? But also, like, I know enough about, like, spooky shit and supernatural shit to know that, like, one of the biggest things that they always uh, bring up um, in a lot of these scary stories is that, you know, spirits or demons, whatever you want to call it, can, like, mimic familiar voices yeah. to, like, get you to, like, let me give you an example, excuse me. Um, I was just reading a scary story uh, while I was on vacation in the middle mm -hmm. of the night to, you know, my brothers and my sisters and my girlfriend and stuff. And, and the story was about this young girl who used to hang out with this girl and her family and they had this weird thing where, like, if they were called from the other room, they wouldn't be like, what? Or whatever. They would just go and see. And uh, the story progresses to them being home alone and they think they hear um, the little girl's mom calling from her. And they're like, oh, she must be home. And they walk through the house to where the calling's coming from, and no one's home, actually. And then they go sit on the porch, and they have ice cream and stuff like that. And uh, the little girl's just like, yeah, you know how you always make fun of me for that? Well, that's because in our culture, uh, we believe that, like, evil spirits and, like, demons and stuff like that can call out to you. And yeah. if you answer, then they can take you, kind of a thing or whatever. And then, you know, it ends with her saying something like, yeah, but have you ever thought about, like, like what if you, like went and then you saw your mom but it wasn't your mom and apparently she hadn't because she started crying yada 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 or whatever but again it's one of those things where like when they're saying like that can't be Josh and stuff like that yeah to a degree like can't be Josh like what yeah. if it you know yeah yeah, it's, uh, yeah they say that and then later the voice starts going follow the sound of my voice like ooh absolutely yeah. not absolutely not yeah it's one of those tells right where you're like yeah no that's a demon for sure yeah. I'm staying in the tent yeah. you know what I mean it's also funny to think about the demon just like help over mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. over here, and they're just running circles in the woods. He's like, oh, God damn follow it. the sound of my voice. <laughs> yes. That is very funny. And so then, uh, I think we brought up a few times while watching it. It's like just think again, thinking about like the making of an aspect, mm -hmm. like how they just like you know, I think they were from what I read, they like woke up every morning and like there'd be envelopes waiting for them outside of their tent. Uh, with like what you're supposed to do today and what headspace you're in or whatever and then at night when they're in the tent like you know the directors would be like throwing rocks at the tent and like playing shit off of a boom box um, and so yeah like a lot of them being like unnerved and scared is probably just actually those actors Yeah. and to think about being Mike I think and just asleep in the tent and Heather decides you know what I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna record this spooky video real close to my face <laughs> yeah listening to it yeah, yeah. Um, I'd be so pissed yeah but again, like I say, like, another fun fact that I kind of read was that, uh, I think it was, like, two people, mainly, who, like, came up with the idea and, like, wrote it out, kind mm -hmm. of, and, and had the whole thing going. Um, and it was just born out of, like, a mutual uh, agreement that, like, like, kind of, like, documentary yeah. horror is a bit scarier than, like, a movie or whatever. And I guess 
I could be wrong, but being as much of a horror hound as I am, like I said, like, I've been exposed to a lot of, like, scary stories and movies and stuff like that, and again, I just feel like at every turn, they specifically chose restraint and, like, the least tacky scare and stuff like that. And, you know, all the examples that I've given of other folklore and other ghost stories that, like, this plays into and kind of ties into, again, it, like, that's probably my favorite aspect of this movie is just at every turn I'm like fuck they chose the scariest goddamn thing yeah, and I've read yep, so yep. many stories and like each one of these little scares or little decisions are the fucking things that the one thing that gets me out of like a spooky story or something right yeah. like I'm reading it and I'm like oh this is a little tacky you know, this isn't really believable well, that one thing if you just think about that one thing that part's the scariest part yeah. Yeah. this whole movie's the fucking scariest yeah. part yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah that's the Blair Witch that's the Blair Witch um, yeah, I couldn't recommend it enough, but to go back to what we were talking about in the beginning, one of the biggest things I think if, uh, you know, you haven't seen it is just, it exists in such a sort of, like, foreign context almost. Yeah. Um, that should be timeless, but right now, I, and I think it is timeless, but right now, with everything that's, like, immediately available to us and in front of us, it's kind of hard to really kind of break that like oh come on aspect of it you know um again it exists in a time you know I don't even want to talk about like it being the first found footage or it being like the gold standard or anything like that it's more so just like imagine you know with your modern sensibilities, like, I, I can't think of a, a great example or whatever, but you just woke up tomorrow and for some reason the smartphones just didn't work anymore. Yeah. You know. Um, what would that camping trip be like? Well, you no, know, you or know, what would that... I've never been in a wooded area where my phone worked. Yeah, So I feel like fair. it works in that sense. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, I just don't... I... What I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think 2021 makes this movie not work, but it seems like from most of the experiences that I've had trying to show people this, for some reason it doesn't. I, I, I think more so what it is is it's not that, like, ooh, kids can't imagine what it's like being without their phone. Yeah. I think I think kids could do that. I think it's the Anchorman problem that yeah. I said earlier. Um, but I think if you're going to watch this movie, uh, watch it alone. Mm-hmm. Or with a roommate who watches everything at, like, full blast. Because <laughs> that was super scary. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like it's, it, on a side note, that kind of, like, lends into, like, just getting sucked into it. Yeah. When it's too quiet and I'm, like, straining to hear it, it becomes more apparent to me that it's, like, a movie, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend. Yeah. Great movie. Thanks for making me watch it again. Yeah. Glad we watched it instead of Frankenstein. I'd like to watch Frankenstein one <laughs> yeah. these days, but... Yeah, that one's a little, uh... We'll talk about that another time, I guess. Do <laughs> you want to rate it? Rate it? Yeah. Out of... Uh, Maybe t- just grades. Grades might grades? be better. You know? I'd give it a... A solid A. Yeah? Yeah. I'd give it like an A+. Plus. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like with grades as opposed to like a... Ranking or like a number score, like... Well, I guess number square works, too. I don't know. I think grade just had a, adds a connotation of, like, whatever it was going for, this is how well it did at Yeah. Right? And it's a little less hierarchical and, like, oh, this movie's better than that movie, yada, yada, yada. You know? So, yeah. A-plus movie. Go get spooked.
Tell your friends. Learn how to read a map. <laughs> Learn how to read a map. Just don't, you know, I'll do you one better. Don't go in the woods. That's all you gotta do. Sit out of there, there's nothing for us in there anymore. Yeah. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time, 